0: Welcome to a new episode of What Exactly Am I Watching Here, a proud member of the Overthink Podcast Network. I'm your host for now, Jason Helms, and I'm joined by my good bud, Dominic Lang. Say hi, Dom.
1: Hi, Jason. Good to be here.
0: Hey, Dom. Uh, Quick question for you. Yeah. Have you ever studied your hand?
1: Sometimes. uh, In the bathroom.
0: In the bathroom. Sure, sure. You know. Uh, Well, before we begin, a quick introduction to the show. What Exactly Am I Watching Here is a podcast that features an expert, myself, and a novice myself. Watching one of the great shows of television history. For now, our show is the cult favorite, Twin Peaks, and we're diving into Twin Peaks The Return, episode six today. Uh, We're taking it one episode at a time, and you should too, so if this is your first episode, maybe start at the beginning. And uh, with that, let's begin with uh, just a a nice, happy, fuck Gene Kelly, you
1: motherfucker. Fuck Gene Kelly. All right. Dom, where'd we leave off? Uh, We left off with uh the Air Force coming to Buckhorn to investigate a possible connection to Major Briggs. Uh there's a body that is possibly belonging to the late Major. Uh the head is still missing, but the fingerprints show Major Briggs. So we're not sure what's going on there. Uh evil Coop is in prison, but still has a lot of control. And it looks like the good Coop is starting to wake or starting to come out of it in fits and starts so like jay said if this is your first episode that recap makes no sense whatsoever (laughs) if you've been
0: been watching for years that recap makes slightly more sense (laughs) slightly
1: a little bit uh the show can be confusing (laughs) oh man so this this episode featured one of the slowest but also strangely (laughs) emotional feeling moments uh so there's a moment where where coop is struggling to wake up there's this incredibly long scene at the dinner table uh he's surrounded by insurance files and, and case files and mike who's still in the waiting room still in wherever that is appears to Coop and says, you must wake up. Don't die. Don't die. And what ensues for me, it, it, it was this strangely, like this very affecting scene, but I checked to see like how long it was going on. And it was like 15, 18 minutes. Like this thing is eternal. Yeah. But yet I still, like I still felt something. It was like, cause it did feel like Coop was fighting. And he's drawing circles and ladders and staircases. But it felt like something. It really did feel like something.
0: Wow, it's an interesting scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and to figure out what to do with. Um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll deal with that a little bit more, I think, in Episode 7. Okay. Uh, because it does return. Um, we, we get the, the interpretation, at least to some extent, yeah. uh, of that. Um, but, but for now, what, what did you think about it? How did you, so it was strangely moving. What, what did you feel?
1: Uh I felt the possi like I felt excitement at the possibility that Cooper was waking up or that um that Mike's kind of imploring from the waiting room, like from that other side, was having an effect. And so there wasn't a disconnect. And it felt like so even if I didn't know what the staircases and ladders and spirals meant. It felt like okay. Well, this is some sort of language that's that's being formed. So something is going on inside of this person, and and the fact that it just seemed like Cooper is becoming a person again, rather than Dougie Jones, who's this kind of this replacement, this this shell that is meant to. And, like, I, I just see him as created by evil Coop. I don't know if that's actually going to turn out to be the case. But this, I don't know, poor excuse for Cooper.
0: Yeah, it's so sad to see uh, Dougie reflected in his family and then and the people around him. That, uh, wow. The fact that, that this f- very diminished good Coop can pass for Dougie it means Dougie was was not doing great uh, no. in the first place. Um. So, let's not delay the suspense anymore. Let's get to the most important part of Twin Peaks The Return. Diane! Diane!
1: Woo! Woo. Oh, man, man. oh, man. Oh. So, <laughs> like, Albert, fucking Albert, just comes, walks into the bar. I, I, so the tease was, do you know where she lives? I know where she drinks. And I was like, okay, well, I, like. I did not put it together. I didn't think, oh, they're actually going to, he's going to go find Diane. Yep. And Laura Dern, bless her almighty soul, is Diane. And like, I instantly buy it. I like, I had no, I had no idea how Diane would look, what her demeanor would be. But she turns around, she's the best dressed person in the bar. uh, The most strikingly dressed person in the bar. And is it like a character out of time? Just like that's that's exactly what Diane should look like.
0: She is a vision. She yes. is otherworldly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's spectacular. Uh, I love uh, Laura Dern, especially in this. Uh, and if I told you before the the season started that we're finally going to meet Diane, I'm sure you would have been filled with a sense of both hope and also foreboding like mm. they're going to screw this up. Uh, but bringing it in out of left field as a total surprise and for, for Laura Dern to do it so well, um, I, I just think really works.
1: Yeah. And, and she has one line in this episode and that's fine. It's just like, it's, it's not meant to be a, a lost style. Like, Hey, now we're going to learn all about Diane. Yeah. Like this is just, you know, the return has stories to tell and Diane is part of it, but you know, for now, we just we meet her, and we have other things, other places to be. So,
0: and, and sorry to spoil it for you, uh, she's actually not in the rest of the show. This is just that one scene. And, oh, this is it. She just yeah, yeah. <laughs> just
1: high out <laughs> Oh No, operating. no, okay. no. Okay, I'm having fun with you. <laughs> You're gonna get some more Diane time. Don't you worry. Good, 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 good. Uh, so, for me, counteracting, uh, there's, there's a couple of, of really large moments uh, in in part six there's one that's supremely dark and one that has kind of a, like a fun coming together, this cohesion moment. And the first moment is uh, Richard has to do with Richard Horn. And it's the, the, the death of the child. He, He runs over a child, a hit and run. And you and I were texting about this as we, as we watched it because Richard is amped up out of an earlier circumstance. He's just adrenaline running, not paying attention. And the kid does not stand a chance. Like the kid inadvertently wanders out into the street is hit immediately killed. It, I don't know why it felt so, so graphic. Yeah. I don't know, but it did. And the moments afterward, drag on or just I wouldn't say drag, but it's just
0: he he makes you sit with that grief.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. And that's what we were saying of like, whatever the moment is, Lynch makes you sit in it. Yeah. And so if it's Coop fighting for a language at the dinner table, that's, that's something you're going to sit in. If it's a hit and run where the mother is screaming and grieving over her dead child, that is a moment you're going to sit in also.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough scene and, and Harry Dean Stanton is uh, fantastic to see him back. Um, Another actor who died before the airing of Twin Peaks. Yeah. It's, it it seems to be the Twin Peaks curse, but he's uh, phenomenal and his desire to comfort and his realization that he cannot, Mm. Um, that there's, there are no words uh, to say in that moment. Yeah. and he gets a vision of the child's soul ascending, it seems. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's one of the interesting things about Twin Peaks with Lynch as such an absurdist director. He certainly has a, has a stake in life having meaning. Uh, there is evil and there is good in this world. and And he wants to remind us of that.
1: That's interesting because it would be very easy to be absurd or to have an absurdist kind of point of view and also connect that to life has no meaning, right? Like it's absurd. It's all chaos. Just keep your head down and try not to get hurt. Yep. But to have a, to have that unknowingness of that kind of openness yet still insist on the meaning of life, like an inherent meaning of life, I think is really beautiful and very inspiring in a way. Yeah.
0: Uh, True crime writer Michelle McNamara, whose book on the Golden State Killer uh, may have just caught the Golden State Killer or contributed to it. This is uh, – Madden yeah. Oswald's late wife had a great quote that she would say often, which is, um, it, life is chaos, be kind. Um, I, I really like that. Um, the, the, the meaning is still there. You know, Be kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so uh not to to linger over that uh, mm. much longer but but what about the scene with uh with Richard Horn and and Red? I I like yeah. this by the way. You're you're uh, I can see from your notes. You're paying attention to the credits now. You're you're not letting them slip you by. You're, yeah. you're like I'm gonna know who everybody
1: is. <laughs> you're not gonna I'm, get me. I'm listening. I am trying I'm listening. <laughs> I'm taking it. I'm trying to be trying to be better at this. Uh, yeah, so Red had Red is the uh, kind of what seems like a new drug dealer in town, uh, or new like kind of head of everything, and something is very much off about Red. He, I, I wrote down, like, he seems, he seems possessed in the way that Mike was possessed, mm. or uh, yeah, and or almost kind of like inhabited, and so Red isn't in total control of his body red <laughs> it's like con- constantly like it, it almost remember uh Vincent D'Onofrio from Men in Black
0: yeah like, yeah, yeah yeah
1: we're just like we're a we're an Edgar, like a suit yeah like a, a bug like Edgar suit. a bug wearing human skin as kind yeah. of this ill-fitting suit and and that's what that's what red looks like It looks like a spirit with an ill-fitting suit
0: yeah
1: and uh apparently a spirit that can do magic tricks, though. So, yeah, but
0: like like crazy magic, like crazy magic, like David, crazy
1: creepy, creepy. David magic.
0: Blaine, but also possessed.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I think David Blaine is possessed. I'm There's just going to go out in the limb for that one. Yeah.
0: But. Uh, <laughs> so so Richard Horn is disappointed at being called kid. That was the yes. creep up front. Uh, yes. But really, again, it's his sense of he he's being told his place in the world which is yeah. lower, lower than he thinks it should be. Uh, yeah. He feels insecure, and that's what leads to the child's death. Uh, the child who died at the same place that uh, Leland Palmer had his freak out in Fire Walk With Me. Oh! Yeah, when he's in the car with Laura. Yeah. And he, he freaks out because the guy next to him is revving his engine, and the guy next to him at that point is Mike.
1: Yep. And uh, there's a, is this the same shot of a telephone pole as there is in Fire Walk With Me um which makes me think and uh, maybe just like the fact that there's that shot of the soul ascending and the shot of the telephone pole like if that's you know it's also where we lost agent Chet Desmond mm. just thinking like is that some kind of portal you know there's there's been lots of ideas floated around as like different access points for the waiting room the black lodge the white lodge and like new York, Argentina, uh this telephone pole, the woods, it would make sense that there's more than one it's just not been confirmed like, oh yeah, this is a spot from which you can access it,
0: yeah, it does seem like another uh thin place where the the distance mm. between this world and another is not so not so difficult to bridge, yeah um yeah, so fortunately this the one plot point that we've been working for for weeks and weeks and weeks gets resolved to some extent, yeah. Uh, Hawk finds out something about his, his heritage.
1: heritage. And it has
0: something to do with his heritage.
1: Yeah, in the bathroom. Not. I mean, maybe he's inspecting his hand like I do, but yep. he 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 looks and sees that the bathroom door is manufactured by Nez Paris Manufacturing. Yep, I think. And so then he. I don't know, like the, after finding
0: the, an Indian head nickel.
1: Uh, yeah, after finding the nickel, he. Like he peels open the door. <laughs> and and Chad is disappointed. <laughs> yeah. By the way, fuck you, Chad. Yeah, fuck Chad. Yeah, golly, I hate that guy. <laughs> so over that dude. Um so Hawk peels open the bathroom stall door, and uh he finds pages in a in a, a plastic bag. Yep. Small, small pages, which I don't know. But they are. I just like pages with writing. Yep. Like, okay. So there's something. you yep. got something. And I'm excited in the sense that, like, okay, this this is paying off. I loved it. I, I thought it was a fantastic uh payoff to yeah. to that to the log lady's hint. Or not hint, but the log lady's kind of the message for him. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. My log has a message for you. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, with that, I, I think we've we've covered a good bit this episode, and uh, I'm kind of waiting because I think the next episode we'll get to cover a little bit more. This has been mainly synopsis, uh, yeah. but we'll leave it and, and visit. And uh, from now, let's uh, let's head out and visit the uh, the beautiful land of Tarifa. Uh,
1: Tarifa, yeah. What
0: What do you think about that?
1: Oh man, my favorite. This is my favorite song so far of the closing songs of the Return. I'm not sure why we are so often ending like we do with these episodes. I like it in the sense that I think in the first few episodes, I was constantly like waiting for something to happen with this section or like every scene has to have like a huge amount of meaning. Whereas now I'm using these moments where the song's playing as more kind of reflection more just kind of like sitting in the space where I already am. Yeah. Um,
0: no, that t- makes total sense.
1: Yeah. And so Sharon Van Etten, uh, her song Tarifa on the, on the surface about a, uh, a trip with, with her lover, but it has this refrain of, I uh, can't remember. I can't recall. No, I can't remember anything at all. And I just am thinking of Coop. I am thinking of, Uh, Hawk trying to jog his own memory of Diane, you know, not wanting to go back or like she's obviously distanced herself in some regard. Otherwise, it wouldn't be so hard to find her. So this, you know, Lynch's constant playing with and revisiting of memory and remembering, uh, I think, is just shining out on this one.
0: Yeah. Um, I went and downloaded the album almost immediately, uh, and it's a good album. Uh, I would I would encourage you as well as the rest of our listeners to go check it out uh, as soon as you can. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, with that, I, I think it's okay to keep this week short. Um, as we said, yeah. Lynch lingers. There's a lot of emotional stuff here, uh, but... Uh, let's let's uh, look forward to next time uh, episode 7 gets set and, I, and I've warned you and I've warned our listeners episode 8 is when it gets crazy go nuts so get stoked uh, for now thanks again for joining us on what exactly am I watching here for next time we're going to be working through Twin Peaks The Return part 7 you can get a hold of us on twitter where our handle is at overthinkpod and find more at overthinkpod.com I'm on twitter as at helmstreet and Dom where can people find you
1: uh, Twitter at Dominic underscore Lang and Instagram at Dominic Lang.
0: Until next time, use the ladies room chat.